Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Views and opinions of any of the guests of After Hours AM are not necessarily the views and opinions of After Hours AM, its hosts, its staff, or any of its affiliates. edition of After Hours AM. I'm your host, Joel Sturgis, right along with me. Eric Olson. Or a.k.a. the CD collector. He, You are like the Encyclopedia Britannica of CDs. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I don't know. If, did we talk about this on the air? 24,000 estimated CDs. Yeah, and they've been sitting. I, I I've really only had about a thousand at my house now for the last <laughs> several bones. years. Yeah, yeah, because you know space, and well, yeah, I had yeah. plenty of storage capability at my parents' house, where my office was. Even though I didn't really use it as an office very often and haven't for a while, but it was a great place to store twenty thousand CDs. <laughs> what what does twenty thousand CDs look like physically? I mean, I, I'm having a hard time mentally it's, gathering a picture. All right, picture oh, this. Two two bedrooms, mm-hmm. two good-sized, medium-sized bedrooms with shelving, floor-to-ceiling, all the way around sure. all the walls, both rooms, and another row of two more shelves in the middle of the room. Holy crap. You know, that is more than a lot of radio stations have. 
Well, these days, I'm sure it's more than well, yeah. any radio station. Yeah, now it's all automated. I remember when they would ship after the whole MP3 revolution came because um, all the stations had to buy their radio stuff from ASCAP BMI, right? That's how you got your music was you had to order it through them, which is, the, of course, everyone knows the royalty house that gets paid and pays the artist when you buy them. They used to ship in, the UPS would bring a semi to the station and literally unload probably five, 6,000 CDs, right? Now, the ASCAP BMI rep shows up, hands you a basically a plain deck of cards. That's how big this hard drive is with all that on there. I know. And, and then, well, it's, there's your music. Whoa. It's depressing. You, you know, you so, know, so it's, I and it's get all it. there. I, I, the efficiency... The space saving, I, I get it. It makes all the sense in the world. I was just thinking, when we went to Australia, when we went to Sydney for the 2000 Olympics, I literally carried a box of CDs, probably, I don't know, 50 CDs, in my backpack wow. along with me on the trip. And a CD player, of course. And a CD player, of course. N- imagine... If you saw someone hauling around that these days, you would think they were insane. <laughs> Do you remember the boom boxes, man? Or they used to come the ghetto blasters, right? Back in of the day. Of course. Remember those I ha- things? I still have them. Do, do yeah. you really? Wow. I remember, oh, yeah. I remember a buddy of mine had a giant, he called it the ghetto blaster. And sure. it, it was just this huge hulking thing with one little tape deck on it. <laughs> the rest of it was just speakers and a radio. That thing, he'd put it on his shoulder. That thing had to weigh 70 pounds. Walking around, you know, like, hey, uh, yeah, hey, I'm bad. Look at me, my kettle blaster. Now, yeah. and then it got know. to the point where you could get them with detachable speakers. Yes. So then you couldn't. So then, I mean, what is that? You know, is yeah. that a home stereo boombox? What is that? Portable, is that a portable, uh, a personal stereo system? I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I remember getting my son just that, you know, a, a really big glorified boombox basically but it had a cd player it had a cassette player it had radio of oh, course yeah. for his room you know yeah. that was his stereo yeah. well and now that long ago he's not that old you know he's now, 30 i got a smartphone with 2000 songs on it i know i i again you know? i am not arguing about the efficiency it of it all. Just, if we're traveling i absolutely. miss it though i miss going to the store on the release date of your favorite artist and getting that CD or album, whatever, some people tapes, you know, back in those days as well. The physical entity. Exactly. Yeah. You bought it. I you got think. home. You poured over the liner notes. You listened. You read the lyrics. Some of them came with lyrics in them. And, and you really were um, just immersed into that, that album. Sure. The and, artwork. The yeah, liner notes. Yeah. The information. You know. That's how I knew from having all those records and reading records and CDs and reading them assiduously. That's how I knew how to get started yeah. when we w- were working on the encyclopedia. Sh- well, exactly. Yeah, I it was, was fascinated with those names. Who are those people? Yeah, they, they, I'd like somebody. To get to know them. Exactly. And I remember the first time I bought Pink Floyd Dark Side of the Moon on vinyl. EP, EP vinyl. Yeah, I mean, the big vinyl, 35s or whatever they were. I can't remember anymore. But I remember the, the artwork and the liner notes and the band and all that stuff. Now you get you a download MP3 and it's so cold and clinical. And oh, there it is. You, you know, and there's no feeling of connection anymore 
to the band. ownership. Yes. See, that's the other thing. I, 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 I'm not sure what that means. Is that a reflection on, on my personality that I would rather you're, own something you're, than feel like I'm borrowing it? True, true. I get the value of streaming. I get the value of these services where, I mean, you basically have access to anything, yeah. uh, you know, that you want. You have access to literally... Uh, it, it, millions or at least hundreds of thousands hey, of songs. You can't bring an MP3 for the Rolling Stones to sign. Exactly. You, you, exactly. You, you know I mean, you can't just say, I oh, got your song. What are you going to do? Have them sign your phone? No. You had them sign the album. I think if you own something physically, it's different. It is psychologically, it is emotionally, even ontologically, to use a philosophical term, different from simply having access to it. Think about sure. that. We can have access to something, but not own it. And yes. Th there's a difference there. You don't truly own it, because once you delete it, it's gone. It's not like you have to physically walk into the trash and throw it away and then have second thoughts later and dig it out. If you once own you delete it, it, it's like yeah. there's something at stake. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. It's there's... not that easily given up. You know, exactly. I it's feel the same way. It's part yes, of you. yes, it's, it's your part collection. Of your personality. Exactly. I'm the same way with movies and books, stuff like that. I, I would much rather get a physical copy of a book than a PDF. Personally, absolutely. Me you too. Know, absolutely. Read it. Like we got. Uh, speaking of that, we have a great show on tap tonight for everyone. Just in case we didn't forget to mention this, we're talking paranormal Great Lakes. We're gonna have Charlie Cassidy on. Junior, and he wrote the great new book, Paranormal Great Lakes, and uh, that is all about well, our neck of the woods, Eric. See, you live on Lake Michigan, or, or you are Erie. Never mind, Lake Erie, and I'm on Lake Superior, so that is right. We're spanning the Great Lakes, you and I. We're right there. We're right there, and a whole bunch of great stories about the Great Lakes. And it was creepy, man. There's a lot of creepy stories about the Great Lakes that I read some I didn't even know, and I kind of consider myself a bit of a Great Lakes historian, uh, you know, with because I did have a relative that did die in the Edmund Fitzgerald. And so I kind of got to know about the lore and, and what they had seen on the Great Lakes and, and my own encounters on the Great Lakes. So it'll be interesting to talk with him, and that, of course, be the top of next hour. Don't miss that. That'll be a lot of fun. But I got a couple bits of news for you, man. Number one, I broke down and I got myself one of those, a Fitbit, they call it. Yeah. And you wear it. It's a wearable. Okay. Sure. And this thing keeps track of your, because, you know, your steps and your this and that and other thing. I wish I didn't even know. Ignorance is flipping bliss, man. You know, before you didn't know your blood pressure was high. Neither did you care. Now it goes, all the bells and whistles go, uh, your blood pressure is high. You know, it's like having a nanny with you going, hey, <laughs> settle down over there. You're going to die. See, I do an hour now on the treadmill every day. Uh, I recently bumped wow. it up from a half Good hour to you. an hour, you know, well, mainly because I got sick of my doctor yelling at me. So, you know, it's easier just to give in, you know, to the nagging than to keep defying. So I've been doing that, but yeah, I'm feeling better, a lot more energy, da da da. You know the normal things that happen when with regular exercise. Okay, I got it. But this Fitbit, man, it is it's it's kind of weird wearing something that's yelling at you constantly. <laughs> I I know it's it's, it's, it's like one wearing more my example of the digital age. It's like you know, wearing my it's like wearing my wife on my on my wrist. <laughs> 
Well, it's also we're 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 there. It's not like it's a step closer with the wearable computer because it's literally a small computer. It, it is. It is. It links right up to your uh, smartphone. So not only does it yell at you about everything, but it lets you know who wants to talk to you, no matter where you are. <laughs> you know. So. You know. Well, you know how I feel about my smartphone. Oh yeah, you love them. <laughs> <laughs> you're a smart no you hate them. i don't use it as no such. no you don't you don't and another big piece of news do you remember when the service the phone service track phone was being sued do you remember when that big class action suit was going down because at the time they offered unlimited data Unlimited text and unlimited talk. I don't know if you remember those days. I I don't know that one. Is that a is that regional? Well, is it no, a regional no, no, no. carrier? It's, it's a national carrier. It, it, it was one of those pay as you go models. Okay. You know, what I mean, and and that's oh. actually I do that to this day. I actually am a straight talk customer. I enjoy straight talk because we were paying uh, for two lines, hundred fifty bucks, two hundred bucks. Can't remember what it was a month. And they can give you unlimited, unlimited everything for $45. And my wife is a big wig at Walmart. So, you know, we get a discount. Well, anyhow, that being said, I used to have one of these track phones. And I bought into the whole unlimited craze. Oh, unlimited everything. Oh, my God. I can get rid of you, AT&T. I hate you. Throw it in the garbage. Well, next thing you know, they're shutting off everyone's internet when they said it was unlimited, right? And so, uh. so there's a big class action suit that happens a couple years ago. And I finally settled. I see... I go to the mailbox and there's this letter that says settlement check enclosed. Oh my God, Eric, my life is changing. I I also felt like Daddy Warbucks, man. I was getting ready to go find a redheaded daughter. You, know? you were rolling. It's in a the hard dough. knocks life for us. It's a, you know, I mean, I was getting ready to go get my, you know, I'm already bald. So, hey, all I needed was a redheaded kid. I would have had a mate. Right. So I, I get the check, right? I run up to my bedroom in the secrecy of my bedroom, lock the door behind me, get under the covers with a flashlight, open this. <sighs> is it millions? Is it thousands? What is it? $7.54. $7.54. That's all I'm worth to these people. Wow. $7.54. That seems like not a whole lot for them to pay for violating. No. I, I felt even worse. I felt not only violated, but now insulted after the fact. Exactly. Just how, not how right. undervalued. You uh, exactly. It, it, I was undervalued, humiliated by these people, humiliated. And so they actually sent a check for $7.54 um, saying, oh, yes, wonderful news. You have received a settlement check for less than eight bucks. Go ahead. I wonder how many people got them. I don't know. I, I would imagine there's quite a few because, you know, if my share of the pool is only eight bucks, there must be hundreds of thousands of recipients of these seven dollar checks. There has right. to be because it was a big national, you know, still is a big national carrier. And of course, if you uh, if you have questions about your settlement check, it says, give us a call. We'd like to hear from you. And what well, am I'm I just get? wondering what the details, you know, or what your amount was based on. Well, what, this what? is what it says. I, I have the disappointing check in my hand right here. It says plaintiffs in the track phone. I didn't even know I was really a plaintiff until just, you know, recently. So, you know, not like I'm, I wasn't expecting this for years. Plaintiffs in the, the re-track phone unlimited service plan litigation class action suit along with the Federal Trade Commission, the nation's consumer protection agency, 
reached a settlement with Trackbone, and you are the and with Walmart, of course, because they carry a Trackbone. That's primarily and Net Ten, a whole bunch of other carriers that they serviced. Good news, you're one of the lucky recipients of a settlement check. Wow. I, I I wanted to, you know, I kind of felt like a a. a, a Okay, I, I realize we got kids listening, so you know I'll try to keep this clean. I kind of felt like a dirty lady of the night. You know what I mean? Yeah. Push you off the bed and say, money is on the dresser, baby. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's such a small... I mean, you get to the point where, sure, in aggregate, you know, when you add it all up, however many people got those checks, and I wonder if everyone basically got the same check. Well, that, it was... What was it? It was over a million people. Okay. That we're in on this. Uh, see, attaches payment represents your prorated share of the settlement funds that remain after the initial distribution of money was completed. I don't remember getting a first check. This oh, the second distribution of my seven dollars will be made <laughs> next year on March twenty second. Oh joy! I can get another eight dollars. I wonder if you had to be one of the actual uh, the plaintiffs, you know, to have actually filed Maybe. in order to be on I that mean, first run. That would make run. sense, I guess. And you know, at the end, it says sincerely, <laughs> the the office of settlement administrators. Oh my! Oh well, yes, I mean, sincerely. I, I thank guess you. it added up for them. Yes, if they're having to pay all those people that amount. But you know, you get to the point where you go. Well, why bother, you know? Well, yeah, it's it's not as bad as one time I was part of this, something similar, and I can't remember what it was for, and I got a nickel, a nickel check. Here's your settlement uh, money, a nickel. I get royalties uh, now and then on various things, and I've had them be as small as 50 cents. <laughs> 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 like, wow. Hey, thanks. That cost 50. you way more. To, to simply send that out yeah. and, the, and the bookkeeping and the accounting, uh, you know, than yeah. what you're paying out. But, I mean, I guess if you're doing it, you're doing it, and yeah. the amount is, is secondary, right? Well, yeah, but see, this money I thought was a life-changing event because they made it sound like it was a big dollar figure. You know, you're well, you could go to lunch, I suppose. Well, you know, yeah. I, well, I'd have to find somewhere really cheap. I mean, I, I can barely go to Subway. Come on, for seven fifty four by right? yourself. By myself, can't bring the wife or kids or take <laughs> no, my mom out. Nothing like yourself. that. Not like they, you know, not like uh, Happy Days are here. No Daddy Warbucks for me. No Hard Knocks life. Oh, it does continue to be a Hard Knocks life. Yes, but you know, I can't be the Daddy Warbucks in that story. Unfortunately, now. Now Think of it this broke. At least you didn't have to pay seven dollars. You know, yeah, that is true. That <laughs> that you know, I didn't think of it that way. Can you imagine that? Hey, by the way, we overpaid you by seven dollars and fifty-four cents. And we want it back. We want it back now with interest. Well, that'd yeah, be horrid. I, just, uh, I know. A it's, ten thousand percent interest. I wonder you when you see all these commercials, you know, when, especially they seem to be on the news channels in particular. Oh, JG Wentworth, uh, oh. all the yeah, all the attorneys for Melis. Uh, oh my meso- god! The- yes, mesothelioma. Yes, mesothelioma. Mesothelioma. Yes, there it is. You got it. Or or other 
you know, various settlements where that's all they do. Oh, yeah. You know, it's go out and chase down this money. That's and, and all they do. All this money into advertising. You Life know? must be good if you're a contingency lawyer. Let me tell you, because you're right. They spare no expense on their commercials. I mean, think of the money they're putting out when oh, you see those oh. ads, you know, over and over and over and over on national, you know, it's cable, but on yeah. national TV. I mean, my goodness. Yeah. Well, that or, costs or, a lot of money. Or suing for a bad drug. Have you or a loved one taken this? Bad drug. Bad drug. 1-800-BAD-DRUG. Are you experiencing drug. anal bleeding? Are you experiencing fatigue? Are you experiencing death? If so, and it call. must be mesothelioma. Yeah, it must be. No, those those meds, bad drug. One eight hundred bad drug. I, I like that. One of them actually did say anal seepage. Oh, it's one of the reasons to sue. Really, are you going to run around and admit that to people? Oh yeah. By the way, Bob, I have anal seepage. <laughs> I mean, right, really? I'm here at the courthouse. Which line do I get in for the anal seepage? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have to buy a new couch now, but you know, hey. Because the pants. seepage, but you know, it, it, even it, new socks. Because <laughs> you know it's seeping. Oh yeah, yeah. But I actually did see that listed, and I love the commercials, right? Where they have the drug, right? And it's to cure or help the symptoms of one thing, right? And then the side effects are seven miles long. Uh, yeah. Those commercials just. It's a bewildering combination of drive me insane yeah. and crack me up. I mean, you're right. It's like 80% of the commercial is oh, naming the side effects. And death is. is almost always one of oh, them. Oh, always. Oh, how would you like to be the guy in that drug trial that experienced the death? I'm, I'm the death uh, guy. You know, because I actually, when I was in college, I knew a guy that did drug studies. That's what he did for money. Was he would go and try these experimental drugs? Oh my! Goodness. That poor guy, man. I really felt bad for him after a while. You know, one day I saw him. He, was, he looked like a Smurf. He was hey, blue. How much it pay? Does it pay well? Well, evidently pretty good. I mean, the guy drives a new car and this and that and other thing. That's all he does is he's a guinea pig. At least back in those days. Oh. And uh, uh, he was a college student, so you know, evidently. But he comes up to me; he's as blue as a smurf. A smurf. Uh, evidently, they gave him an experimental drug that affected the pigment of his skin. Apparently, yeah. And I said, "Wow, man, have you been, you know, maybe fooling around with a smurf or something?" No, damn drugs. <laughs> he's got a thing for blue yeah, bears. yeah. Wait, wait, you got, you got a thing for smurf bed over there? What, what are you doing? What are you doing, Gargamel? Come on, <laughs> relax. Well, one of the girls, remember in uh, in in Willy Wonka, yes, uh, in the Chocolate Factory, um, turned blue. Something yes. to do with uh, yep. blueberries. Yep, 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 yep. But it's just funny because I I don't like taking medications if I don't have to. You you know I, I'm not one of these guys that goes, hey, by the way, this isn't working quite right. Give me some meds, would you, Doc? No, yeah. I avoid them pretty much at all costs. I'm in the middle, you know, I, I mean, I take a, a fair amount of uh, yeah. vitamins and supplements and herbal things. And, you know, if I need it, I, I'm 
whilst not expense. to antibiotics or whatever. But yeah, I mean, you don't want to take things you don't have to take, and you don't want to be, de- especially you don't want to become dependent on things oh, that yeah. you don't have to take. Oh, the best drug I was ever given. I had surgery um, on my deviant septum, as most of the listeners know, and they gave me something called Oxycontin. Oh, I no. have never orbited the moon <laughs> like I did on Oxycontin. They gave me this Oxycontin, and they said, well, you, you may feel a little lightheaded. No, they should have said don't make any plans because you're going to be so high. <laughs> you're going you're, you're gonna to be seeing cartoon characters dancing in front of you, not on TV. Well, you realize that's one of the absolute key players in the opioid really? epidemic. Yeah, because they gave me this Oxycontin because it's severe oh. pain. You know, when they do that surgery, you know, up in your nose, it's very, you know, think about it when you get your nose even hit. It goes, oh, you go, oh, my God, that hurt. Oh, oh yes. Uh, you, you know, so they give me this. Oxy- I know it well. I'll tell you a story if you'd like, but go ahead. First. <laughs> they give me this Oxycontin. They ship me home and I'm feeling great, man. <laughs> I, I'm, hey, how you doing? I, given no regard, to, I just had surgery, right? Oh, I'll help you move that. Don't worry. Even though one of the big don'ts was don't lift anything. Uh, because I wasn't feeling anything, and then when it wore off, oh, it was not a place you wanted to be, man. No, it, see, that's the problem. It feels so great to be on it, and it feels so awful to be off oh, it. So, it is so easy to get hooked. It, yeah, yeah, and then a buddy of mine stops by, and he's like, hey, you want a bear? Oh, that was not a good choice Ooh, on my part. No. <laughs> I didn't think one Boston lager would really affect me. Yeah, you know, I thought, okay, I'll, 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 cold beer actually sounds pretty good after I went through. Oh, my God. It, like, intensifies that beer by 10,000. I you, believe you know, it. Next I, I'm actually allergic to opioids, so I don't have to worry about it. So now you have a story about orbiting Saturn, right? Well, my story is actually about the my nose. Because oh. you were saying how painful yes, it is. It sucks. You know, anything to do with your nose. You, your eyes tear up, and you get, you know, you get the big... The big black eye look. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I was, uh, 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 as we've mentioned from time to time, I was a baseball player when I was a you kid. You were. Semi-pro. All the, through, all the way up through college. Yeah. And so, but when I was a kid, I think I was about 11 maybe, uh, I, w- I moved up a league. So I was probably the youngest or among the youngest in that particular league. So I, you know, I skipped up one. So I was already feeling pretty insecure and was like, whoa, everyone's bigger than me here and blah, 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 blah. So I'm in the batter's box. And this is the first time I'm I'm facing people pitchers who throw anything other than just you know fastballs. Ah, okay. Curves. I'm seeing sure. changeups. Sure. All this. So so the guy, the pitcher, right-hander. I'm left-handed, batting left-handed. So so he throws a curve. So it's curving into me in the left-hander's batter's box, and ah, uh, it's curving and it's curving and it's coming right at my face and it's coming right at my face and I turn and I run and I run all around the field and then I run up the street and then I run down the street and then I jump into the ocean and then I swim back and I climb back up the hill then I'm back in the batter's box and it yeah. hits me right in the freaking nose. Wow. Ugh. Broke my nose. Ugh. Oh, my Man. God, that was pain. Oh, I bet it was. I, and, I bet it was. And you're seeing, you see the stitching left a mark on <laughs> oh, my nose. tattooed you. It tattooed, that's insult to injury. Insult to injury. Not only Absolutely. did it kick your ass, but it left a mark showing you that it, it, you, it owns you. 
<laughs> oh, God, it hurts so bad. And your eyes are tearing up. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And then, of course, your eyes swell, too, and you get the black eyes. And as it turned out, it didn't even actually break the bone, which is at, which is higher up. It yeah. only broke the cartilage. Oh, only, but, but that's still painful. All right. Oh, God, it was so painful. And, man, it took weeks oh, before yeah. I looked anything. I looked like W.C. Fields, <laughs> big swollen bulbs, <laughs> red nose and black eyes. I looked like I'd started my prize fighting career at 11. <laughs> you look like you, you took on a Vander Holyfield and Mike Tyson all on the same day. So I may have exaggerated how much I ran from it, but I really, it really did feel like it was just chasing I, me. Yeah, yeah. I'm moving away. I'm ducking down. I'm falling backwards. I'm pulling away, and it still managed to hit me right in the I nose. I have been hit in the face by uh, sports balls before. I didn't want to say balls because that sounded horrible. Baseballs and that stuff. But one time, uh, a guy I was in college with, he ended up going to the pros, uh, NFL, low level. He was like maybe fifth string or whatever quarterback. And uh, he somehow landed a deal. I want to say he was with the Raiders for a while. And and he says, hey, uh, want to catch a football? Say, yeah, why not? Well, I was on the, you know, why not? What the hell? What, what's wrong with a little catch? That guy threw it so hard. It was like a laser beam, man. It was there before I was. And I'm running. He says, go long. So I did. And by the time I turned my head to see where this ball was, it was in my face. Hit me right in the face. I and, hate that. And oh. People don't realize how hard oh. footballs are. Oh, and, and this guy is an NFL quality quarterback. Right. You know, just laser beamed it right in there. Oh, are you okay? Start giggling. <laughs> like, you're an ass, man. He says, no, that's hilarious. Let's do it again. No. No, oh, that, re- that reminds me. I got one other little tale here. Since you got hit in the nose, hit in the face with a football from an NFL quarterback. I was covering, believe it or not, I did some sports reporting for uh, in Cleveland. I was a Cleveland-based producer for a little while for ESPN. Oh, really? It's, wow. Yeah, Look and I only did a handful of stories, and I, I was never on camera or anything. But oh. So I'm setting it up, and... What what they do is you ask whoever they assign you to to interview, you do that on camera, but they cut you out. They just <laughs> oh, that's show their so answers. nice of them. They just that's, show that's, the that's answers. So nice. They don't show the yeah. Questions. They don't show you. You're not worth enough to us. Oh god, we'd have to pay you. As hell. I thought, oh my god, this is so great. I'm I'm interviewing. So I was interviewing Kirby Puckett. Oh, I know. Yeah, I knew Kirby. Of course, from the Twins. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I, absolutely. This is back in the '90s. And it was at Cleveland Stadium. I'm actually on the field interviewing Kirby Puckett, right? So yeah. so the interview's over. He goes off to play catch and warm up. All of a sudden, a ball comes, a baseball, <laughs> oh, no. just comes whizzing in and hits me right in Burnt the Burnt by 11 hits you right in the face. Boom! Take that! Right in the solar plexus. Oh. Right in the gut. I'm just bent oh, over. And I look over. It's Kirby, it's and he's Kirby. laughing. He freaking did it on purpose. <laughs> he was messing with you. Bless oh his soul. God, he thought that was so funny. Yeah. I, oh, my God. Oh, I thought God. I was going to puke. Kirby. Good old Kirby. There's some good story. He was actually genuinely a good person. He did a lot for the state and stuff. But, yes, he was a prankster. I do I do know uh, well, that. He, he was indeed a prankster, yeah. hitting me in the oh, that, freaking that was, stomach that was a with a baseball. Thing. Absolutely wonderful thing for him to do. Hey, we got to run a break. We come back. 
You're America's Most Haunted Headlines with Mr. Eric Olson. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this. Hey, you listen to After Hours AM, and if you're listening to us via podcast, make sure you like us, follow us, review us, tell your friends about us, tell grandma about us, and keep listening. It's your ideas, work, and creativity that make it your yard. At Ace, we're here to help with hoses and sprinklers to nurture growth, gardening tools for the shape of good things to come, even the right fertilizer and bug killers to make the grass a little greener. You'll find it all now at Ace, your place, with everything you need for your yard, plus helpful advice, almost like we're right there. Ace, the helpful place. Anavar Media LCC is a dedicated team of professionals committed to helping business development scale and protect their websites, mobile applications, enterprise software solutions in the Northeast Ohio area. Locally owned since 2012, our client-centered values truly sets Anavar apart. Contact us today to learn how you can get 25% off your first project. Call them at 234-380-4852. Again, that's 234-380-4852. Or visit them at www.anavar.com. Again, that's www.anavar.com. This is Jen McGowan, founder of Wayward Souls Promotions, a company dedicated to helping individuals, teens, radio shows, and others that are seeking exposure for their individual events, conventions, and shows. We offer a wide variety of advertising, such as web-based article, social media posts, podcast advertisement, and so on. Contact us at paranormalpromotion at gmail.com, visit us on Facebook at Wayward Souls Promotions, and visit our website at www.waywardsoulspromotions.com. You're listening to After Hours AM. Do you have a question for the guests or even the host? That's really easy. Go ahead and email those questions to afterhoursam at gmail.com. Are you feeling like picking up the phone and being part of the show? Call us at 612-326-6874. 612-326-6874. Come be part of the madness. What's happening, hot stuff? Welcome back to After Hours AM, everybody. I did forget one thing, Eric. I'm what? your host, Joel Sturgis, of course, this Eric Olson. Uh, I'm going squatching this weekend. with That Mi- is the coolest. Uh, yeah, Tell us all about I, I am it. going with the Minnesota Bigfoot Research Team, which is an arm of the BFRO. 
So I'm going to go out with these guys this weekend, and I am going to go ahead and see if squatches are real. Really, this time, it's a real investigation. Last time I went on, I was kind of watered down. This one I'm actually going camping for. I, I'm going cool. deep in the woods, going with them. I'm going to be with them and uh, do the tree knocking thing, see what happens. I'm actually kind of excited. And what so, are your concerns about? Well, my concerns are really a couple things. Not, not first. Ever since we read the story about being molested by a Bigfoot, that's the back of my head. I don't know if you remember yes, that. You know, there's got, always that. You, know, you got Randy with the guy, and next thing you know, you know, you know squeal like a pig, boy. And all that stuff happened. But mainly, I'm afraid of bears. I think that's uh, quite logical. You know, in fact, Abe Del Rio, the founder of Minnesota Bigfoot Research Team, sent me pictures of recent tracks of bears in the area. Whoa. Saying that they're out, they're around, you know, take precautions, that kind of stuff. So it was a cub and mother that he found the tracks of. And where the cub is, mama's not far. Oh, yeah, that's the very dangerous and right there. They get a little agitated when you get around their babies. So, you know, I will do my best not to become dinner for a bear. Yeah, you don't, or, or even just getting sliced up. Yeah, yeah. If I do, though, I'm so coming to haunt you, and then I'm going to haunt the dinner with the ghost guys. So I can get you free, do not want to be you know, the revenant. No, so, so I want to get I want to get a free meal out of them. So, you know. Oh, I think you will. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, you don't want to be the revenant. Oh, my God. So that, let's put that off. Let's yeah, put yeah that I, off. I, uh, free yeah. have you seen that movie, The Revenant? Yes. Oh, isn't yeah, that yeah. just a gruesome bear attack? Oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want that to be me. <laughs> I do not. Well, these guys, they do take precautions. They do bring mace with them, you know, bear spray and uh, stuff like that to ward off any bears. So, we should be all right. And everybody that listens to the show by now also knows I pack heat. <laughs> I pack a gun. So, hey. You could bring a bear exterminator along. <laughs> Do yes. they have those in Michigan? In, um, what is a bear Minnesota? exterminator? You know, some exterminators oh, go after guy. bugs. Oh, okay. I, c- I can bring a little Sherpa-like guy with me. Yeah, you know, some some exterminators, exterminators go after bugs. Others go after rodents. Uh, you know, there's got to be something to go after bears. You follow me, okay, and you make sure spray no bears. You, know, <laughs> you spray, spray them down. Spray them down, make them run away. Yeah, well, I, spray I don't. Spray them with bear killer or something. <laughs> bear killer or something. Watch, he sprays them with bacon grease. <laughs> yeah, he'd hate that. <laughs> he sprays like, me first with it. He'd start yeah. eating himself. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I only here's the thing about bears. I only have to outrun one person. That's it. You are so right. That's you it. So right. You know, just gotta run faster than the next Same guy. Same thing with zombies. You know? That's right. That's right. But uh, I do not believe foresee a problem with bears. But if there is, man, I'm so gone. They already know this. I'm like, you know what? Bigfoot's cool and all, but bears are not cool. If I, I'm telling you, if I get scared, I I'm leaving. Do. I'm leaving. I have okay. a life to lead. <laughs> I do. I do. But let's uh, get back to the show here and let's talk all, right. all things American Haunt. America's Most Haunted Headlines brought to you by Mr. Eric Olson, of course. He's reading Indeed. And Wayward Souls. So, head to Twitter. Head to Twitter.com slash AM Haunted. And we're still in this. Uh, temporary mode that I hope uh, I plan to come out of by this Monday. I know I said it last week, but 
It's taken yet another week. Been dealing with additional medical issues with my parents and the aftermath of clearing out their entire house. And so we have a huge, massive garage sale that starts tomorrow. It's a neighborhood garage sale. Wow. But we will be a cornerstone of it. And poor Don, cool. my wife took off from work today and she was pricing and sorting and going through everything to prepare for tomorrow all day long today in very high humidity and high 80s heat. It was Ooh, very it uncomfortable. And here I am down in the basement yeah. filing CDs in the nice cool. I'm going, I'm a little chilly down I'm a here. little cold. You know, it's a little cool. I don't think I'm going to wear my tank top. I think I'm going to put on an actual <laughs> short sleeve shirt. She goes How down. About you, Dawn? She goes down there, and you look like one of those models at a wet T-shirt contest. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, and she, she's glaring at You're me. You're wearing the white beater T-shirt that's white. Here you are in the basement, in the cool basement, eating bonbons exactly. and filing CDs. We are feet up going, yeah, it's a hard life here. Let me tell you. I'm out in the garage in the driveway. We have a big tent in the driveway that everything's under. That which is not in the garage because some of it's uh, furniture and there's no point moving that out of the garage. So, so, yeah, so that's what's going on. So, anyway, I haven't been tweeting um, still on my normal daily basis, still on that kind of twice-a-week type thing. But, nonetheless, by next week, we'll be returning to normal. So, check it out. Follow us. All yes. things paranormal, one with us. and amazemo. Yes. All right, look at this picture. And this is one of the reasons, main reasons we tell you to go and actually look at it on a computer or your phone, for that matter. At AM Haunted, so you can see the pictures and follow the links. Look at the weird, eerie blue light coming from behind the that trees and the freaky. house. That's freakish looking. So, oh. what is your guess as to what that is? Uh, it uh, it's fog and um, some type of fog or, or swamp gas that has been known to look like that. But the light source is something behind it, obvious. I'm not sure you got me. What is it? It is the it is electricity arcing off the lines, and it wow. forms this very oh, yeah. eerie blue light. And Yeah, because electricity, when it arcs, will create a smoke like that. What do they call that? Freon or something? I, for, there is an actual name for that gas that's created by electricity. Uh, oh, oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, yeah I'll think of it in a second. Um, but if you click through, you not only see the picture I have on Twitter, but an even cooler, even bluer one, a similar arc flash from Montreal in 2013. The picture I'm referring wow. to was just taken June 5th in Dayton, Ohio. Oh, right. Not too far from you. Not too far at all. Ooh. I mean, it's not around the corner, well, but. Good uh, thing, because you might get shocked. Exactly. I don't like that. No. All right. You know how they're always finding these crazy ancient archaeological discoveries they're, either in Europe yes. or, and lately it's been South America or Mexico. They just they were tearing down a, um, a hotel right in the heart, downtown Mexico City, tearing down a hotel built in the 50s. They discovered a 500 year old Aztec temple. With human remains in it. Under it? Under this hotel? Under the hotel. You would have thought they would have seen something while they're building it. I guess it, they didn't. You know, like, <laughs> wow, why is that temple there? I don't know, Bob. Let's just keep building. Okay, let's fill it in. It is bizarre, because when you see it, I, which, again, if you go to the actual site, go to Twitter, 
slash am haunted you can see it uh you know it's there's a lot going on there and there's several other pictures if you click through and yes. it looks like an aztec temple there's no messing around very very cool very cool all right our bud jeff Mudgett, i see that on the show his show is coming to history history channel it finally will debut on July 11th. It's called American Ripper. I'm clicking on that one right now. And Ooh. within that show, our bud, Jeff Mudgett, who's the great, great, great grandson or something like that, of H.H. Holmes, who was actually named Mudgett. Uh, and he has a theory that H.H. Holmes was also... Jack the Ripper. Yeah, I'm. I cannot wait. I've been talking to Jeff here and there because he's gonna come on the show. Oh yeah, and break some uh, you know news that he's not gonna break anywhere else until he talks to us about it first. So well, we need to book him because we do. Up. Yes, yes, Eric, you'll get right on that. I'm sure of it. I'm sure I will, uh, one of us will get on it. One of us will get on that, and uh. uh We'll get him on. We got to talk to Jeff again. We got to get him on before the show airs. Yep. Yes, we do. In fact, I'm posting that right now. Catch our good friend, Jeff Mudgett, on History Channel. All right. So the 11th is a Tuesday. We got to have him on the 7th. Yeah, we'll make it happen, guys. We'll make that happen. All righty. Well, it's Thursday or So that looks very cool, very interesting. What what was his other theory that we found more plausible? There there was some other information that it Yeah, you know, I'd have to go back and read the notes from that show or or listen to that show again because it is up for download, of course. You go over and you can download it from right from the after hours a.m., dot podomatic dot com site that's where we house all of these awesome awesome mp3s of the show the archives you can catch it right there you can download it and listen to it before it comes back on and kind of you know get a little taste of what to expect when he comes back on because good it's idea be, it's gonna be thinking. pretty cool man it's gonna be pretty cool it will be rollicking all right it had to happen there will be a horror essentially version of Groundhog Day coming in October. It's called Happy Death, Death Day. Day. And in it, a young woman, I think she's a co-ed. It appears that of she course. is a co-ed. She has to be. Uh, and she keeps reliving the day of her death, of her murder. Oh, you know, yeah. I understand that, but she has to get out somehow. I mean, Groundhog Day was funny because it never ended. It was funny. Because it was funny because he used it to his own advantage. Hopefully in this movie, she figures a way to stop her own death. I would imagine that would be the reason why she keeps reliving it. But I would think you know, so, too. Yeah, I'll have to keep an eye out for that one. And, I would, uh, who is the one that makes you. that one? Producer of Get Out, The Purge, and The Visit. So oh, we, it's another Bloomhouse. Yeah, so we know it's not going to be M. Night Shyamalan and Ding Dong doing that one. No. So, no, 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 no. But producer of Get Out, The Purge, yeah. The Visit, all oh, that no, stuff, no, no, no. you know. All the Bloomhouses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy it, Death it, Day. It'll go it's straight not a very to, good title. No, it's kind of dumb. Well, it sounds like a straight-to-DVD title is what it sounds like to me. It does, but yeah, it got it a big does. website and everything, well, so they're, you know, they're, they're pushing it. It'll not, be it's theaters. not as cool as hell. Well, of course not. So we mentioned on the show last week, we previewed that this Five Nights of Fear, it's the fifth anniversary of Scream Factory. We're all cool 
horror DVDs, mostly Blu-rays. They yeah. they go for the kind of the high end, the really sure. high quality packaging yeah. and exclusive stuff. Again, something you can own and hold in your hand. Again, exactly. Something you can hold in your hand and collect and it's yours. So in celebrating their fifth anniversary, they're running a free movie on Scream Factory TV every night this week. And tonight, which starts in just, what, 13 minutes? Yeah. Uh, Hellhole. Hellhole. Stripped naked, forced to submit to the ultimate experiment. Pray they don't succeed. Yeah, that's definitely a 1970s exploitation film right there. I love that poster. That is is pretty good looking. And how about the Bond chicks in the bottom right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, beating each other over the head. Very, very happy. What is she drinking I'm from? Sure. Something in the L. What is coming I'm, out of that I'm, L? I'm not sure what's coming out of that L. That, that, maybe that. she's doing a bong. Or, is, or maybe, maybe I mean, she's smoking know. one, you know. Maybe maybe it's maybe. the chronic. Maybe. <laughs> All the devil's then. lettuce. So we've been talking about what's coming up at the various universal studios in Hollywood, Universal Resort, of course, in Orlando, and there's various other ones overseas, but those are the two in the U.S. So we just got the announcement that uh, Universal Studios Hollywood will be featuring, among, of course, many other attractions, American Horror Story Roanoke. Ooh, that will be cool. Very cool. Very creepy. Very creepy. Select night. Every year, you notice, every year they start a little bit early. They do. Next thing you know, it'll be in in January. They'll be like, hey, it's January. Let's pull it out. Year round. Halloween season has begun. (laughs) It's January. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. Yeah. All year long, you can get the crap scared out of you. Well, this year, they've moved it up a little bit. They nudge it forward every year. And now it's September 15th. I mean, that's a full month that and a half is, that for Halloween. Is. That's a long time. Wow. They're a really trying to cash city. in. And by the way, just to make you happy, I did watch Supernatural. Oh, good. Which era? Uh, the, which first, the first season I'm starting with. Oh, way back. Uh, it, way back. It's not bad. It, yeah, it's not bad. It's well, pretty it darn a good. Well, it gets better. Well, you know, it, 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 the first season's... You know, are always kind of that building the story season anyway. Sure, sure. You know, so, know yeah, the, I'll tell you yeah. what, the main difference, well, there's, I'd say there's two main differences. The writing gets a lot better and a lot more creative and experimental, and they become much better actors. So they progress in their craft as they the show really goes. Do. Okay. I mean, you can, you, if you sat there and watched it, which would take a long time. Oh, yeah. Watched all 12 seasons, right? Yeah. You, it's pretty astonishing how much they Im- have improved over the years. I, I, if I watched all twelve seasons, I'd probably, you know, <laughs> have one less wife. Uh, if all I did oh was God, binge on it, time. you know, I'd be there. I'd have a beard. I'd look like Jesus when I, <laughs> when I leave my living room. It's possible my kids would be graduating. Oh, uh, I mean, it would take a goodly long time. It is possible that um, you, well. I'll, I'll move on from there. Anyway, Supernatural. Yes, it is really, really good, and it gets better and better and better over time. Acting gets better, and but even perhaps more than the acting. I was going to say you could. I wouldn't mind casting either of them now 
Jensen or Jared in in pretty much anything. Yeah, I could, but, I could see him in a serious drama. Sure, I could see him in comedies. Sure, uh, you know, I mean, they could carry it at this point. And and yeah. basically, when they started, they were just kind of minor TV guys, you know, and been in some yeah. horror movies and whatnot. Uh, uh, you know, really B or C stuff. But at this point, man, I think they're really ready. And it just shows you how much they love their fandom that they have stayed yeah. with it all these yeah, years. Yeah, they really have. Because they, 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 they don't have. need the money anymore. No, they're doing it out of love. Speaking of love and interesting, it means that we're on movies and television. I saw an interview with Linda Carter. I Didn't you say that she looks really hot? She is still hot, man. Like sixty, that's amazing. I, I, she's sixty-five. Yes, she, she really? looks like that. She could go put on the Wonder Woman costume and still rock it. Oh, I bet she could. You know, I'm just saying, it's amazing how good she still looks for her age. Uh, some of these uh, women uh, these days, you know, just keep pushing the envelope. And I keep saying, I can't imagine really thinking of a, for example, just you know, pick a number out of there. Yeah. You know, 30 years ago, I would have said, I can't imagine thinking of a 50-year-old woman, as, you know, sexually or, yeah. or romantically. Yeah, exactly. Then, then it goes, you know, 55, then 60, you know. And now I'm at the point where <laughs> I'm getting into my later 50s. And I, there are women out there, <laughs> 65 plus, who oh, look yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And, and they don't just look good. Because, you know, a lot of it can be makeup and from a distance and, of course, keeping yourself in shape. Yeah. But they they feel young. They seem young. They're youthful. It's not just an appearance. It is strange. It, it, actually, it is for strange. me, it's extremely encouraging. Well, it's kind of weird. Be young, you know, forever. Yeah. Well, that's true. But the last 70-year-old woman I knew sent me a $25 check on my birthday and her couch was covered in plastic. That's my grandma. Yeah, you know I'm saying I I don't know, man. I, I at my age, I'm 42. Fine. I look at 65 year olds going, oh, really? You know what I mean? But so I get you. As you age, though, it gives you new perspective on things. And what I'm saying is, is this generation that yep. is now in that age range. In other words, the baby boomers yep. have really pushed the yeah, they have, and they yeah. refuse to get quote unquote old mm -hmm. you know and there i mean it can be ridiculous you don't want to see some 70 year old you know <laughs> on, on roller skates and hot pants oh, and, you know, no no although being, being absurd but you unfortunately know, i have act youthful and still be wise i'll tell you what when we were in oregon and one of the reasons we were there or i guess the main reason we were there back uh spring break time was my wife's father had died, and we met their next door neighbors who were very very helpful, and they were they're keeping an eye on things when sure. we're away, and they were just helping out and just giving us contacts and just being very very nice and warm and inviting. They're both seventy, and if you saw them, they could easily pass for fifty five, but they feel and talk and think so young they could be forty five. Really, you know, well it's all in how you feel. Mentally. It really is, and how you yeah, think. Yeah, exactly, exactly. My mind, I'm still 21. My mind, I may not even be 21 yet. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, crap, when did I get this old? So and, immature. And how did I survive? Better question. I don't know. You know. Same way I did, I guess. <laughs> There's been a few drunken nights, I'm just saying. 
Every now and then, like last night. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, Monday, the freaking final game of the. Oh, you poor! NBA I knew, finals. I knew this show. Okay, oh. when I started this show, guys, mm-hmm. I was. I actually have a countdown clock, and God bless you, Eric. I'm, I'm just trying to rib you a little bit. I was waiting. I purposely did not mention this in the first half hour. I was waiting for you to bring this pain up because I didn't want to be the guy to rub it in. It'll be like, uh-huh, look at that, Cleveland lost. You know, but let's put it in perspective. Golden State Warrior has, Warriors have every great player on the team except for LeBron, LeBron. James. So well, well, they should win. They are the most stacked team in history. They remind me of the Redskins many years ago. What was that owner, Schneider? He went out and got every high dollar free agent money could buy. Or the Yankees. Yes. Yes. Or the Red Sox. Exactly. Exactly. And they didn't win the Redskins. They couldn't play together. All this great talent. But what happened was too many big egos. Right. Right. And And there's only one ball, as they say. Yep. One ball. And I want to say they took uh, Brad Johnson from the Vikings at that time, which was very a hot quarterback to that team. And he was our quarterback, and they took him because it was free agency year. And boy, did he suck. It was great to watch. Good for <laughs> you, Brad. I'm glad that you had 12 interceptions in the first three games. Well, the hope was that Kevin Durant just wouldn't fit into that well-oiled machine. Yeah. But unfortunately, he did. All right, before we run out of time, I, I love this picture. of the. This is the real picture. This is the real thing. A two-headed porpoise was found by a Dutch fisherman in the North Sea. Look at that thing. Do you ever think that Siamese twins, or in this case a Siamese porpoise, they ever get sick of being with the other one? Oh, I'm sure they do. You know, it's not like you could walk out for a fresh breath of air there. You know, I'm going to beat you to death. I'm going to swim away. Head. I'm mad at you. I'm swimming away now. Oh, crap. You're still here. <laughs> Wait. Hey, st- you stay there. I'm going here. Yeah. Yeah. I oh. said stay there. <laughs> that is actually kind of. That that is kind of disturbing to look at, in it, some ways. It is, it is. It, it, but it, you know, it lived however long and was functioning perfectly well with literally with two heads. Well, two heads are better than one. Conjoined twins. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Conjoined twins. Well, unless only one head was functional. Right, but I, I believe the story said that this literally was. These are conjoined twins. So there's okay. two. So there's two independent. Two identities. Gotcha, yes. gotcha. Okay. But they're fused. They really only have two heads, though. Yeah. The rest yeah. is one body. Yeah. Well, my wife claims I only, I only think with one head. So that's <laughs> what she tells me all the time. So I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you know, those, those You've wives. heard that before. Wives yes. think like that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yes, they do. But yeah, very, very cool looking. Smithsonian again, Mag, does it again. What a strange-looking creature, man. Something b- very, very bizarre. Very strange. And mm-hmm. we've talked about it before, but um, loving, very odd. I have no, or I shouldn't say no, but very little idea what's actually going on after six full episodes. But I love the new Twin Peaks. I am the- waiting to binge it, man. I know you are. And, yeah. and that's probably not a bad way to do it yeah. because it, then at least it'll make sense. Yes, exactly. That I, I know a lot of people that have watched these episodes individually and they've said, you know what, 
wait till it hits Netflix and binge it. And right. then it will be one cohesive stream that you because I keep still following. have no idea what yeah. what the main plot points yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. But so. it's so visually arresting and it's so creative and the acting is really fantastic. So I, I mean, I'm going along for the ride. You yeah, know? hell yeah, man. I'm gonna watch it when it when it hits like Netflix or Amazon streaming. Do something like that. Watch it. Where I can it's sit good. down on a weekend and bang it out. Yep, you, it's you, good. You know. Cool, really good. cool, like good to hear. Good to hear. One last bit of news. Yeah, Fox this. is uh, returning to paranormal programming, and they are bringing in a trilogy. It's a book oh, trilogy. A book. It's The Passage, and it's a post-apocalyptic vampire drama. Oh, like we don't have something similar no, to No, we have nothing like that at all. <laughs> oh, uh, the zombies. called yeah. The Passage. Oh, well, yeah, I don't know about you, but vampires, I don't know. You know, I don't know. You know, they've never really tripped my trigger as a horror icon. You know, unless it's Dracula, then, of course, you know, that's cool. But the rest okay. of it, eh, I could take or leave it. I think the Lost Boys ruined it for me, you know. Oh, you don't like the Lost I, Boys? I didn't, no, I, I didn't mind it, but then everything after that sucked. I that's what I'm saying. The Lost I, Boys that, was so... It was kind of a peak. It was funny. Yeah, it, was it, it had it all it going on. Cool. And, yeah, yeah, instead of watching one called 30 Days a Night a few years ago with Ethan oh, Hawke yeah, yeah. and... Really? Oh, this is no, not no, fun yeah, at all. I, I agree. That one didn't. Do yeah, well. yeah. So I kind of put it, put it down, and then of course, there's the ever dreaded. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Interview with a vampire, and uh, that one, Tom Cruise, man, I, I, just, I just he was so skinny in that. You Tom Cruise, recognizable. Brad Pitt. I, I just couldn't buy it, man. I, I just not one time did I buy those two as badass vampires. Not for one second. Central casting should have done a better job of picking the it, vampires. That was never one of my favorites either. No, no. But we got to get out of here, play some Fox News. We come back. Charles Cassidy's coming on. Paranormal Great Lakes is the book. You're not going to want to go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this. <laughs> This is a Fox News alert, a deadlocked jury at the Bill Cosby trial. I'm Lisa Brady. The judge just denying a motion for a mistrial in the Cosby case. Fox's Grinnell Scott has this live. Well, Lisa, the denial came after the jury told the judge they could not reach a unanimous verdict on the three aggravated and decent assault charges Cosby faces. Judge Stephen O'Neill asked the, jur the jury to continue their discussion, but there is no guarantee they can come to a consensus. If they don't, Cosby will still face the charges and remain free on a $1 million bond. The prosecution will then have just a few months to decide if they will retry or drop the case, Lisa. Thanks, Grinnell. President Trump moments ago offering prayers again for the family of House Majority Whip Steve Scalise in critical condition after yesterday's baseball practice shooting. There are a lot of hearts in this country, great hearts, and they're all sending their love and support to the Scalise family. And Steve, in his own way, may have brought some unity 
to our long divided country. He also again commends the Capitol Police who took down the shooter. Fox's Rachel Sutherland is live in Washington. Lisa, congressional staffer Zach Barr says he might have died if not for the actions of the Capitol Police officers. He described what happened in vivid detail. I see him turn his gun towards me oh uh, and it just starts popping all around me. Uh, he hits me in, in my leg. Barth said he piled into a dugout with congressmen, used his phone to text for help, and prayed. The vice president stopped by the hospital to check on Congressman Scalise, and he met with Officer Crystal Griner, also injured in the attack. The fourth victim, lobbyist Matt Micah, is still in critical condition. Lisa. Thanks, Rachel. Earlier today, the president tweeting about a Washington Post report that he's under investigation for possible obstruction of justice in the Russia probe, calling it the single greatest witch hunt in American political history. Fair and balanced. The father of Otto Warmbier, the American college student freed by North Korea but sent home in a coma, says his son was brutalized by the regime. His wife staying at their son's bedside but sending a message. She wanted me to tell you that she knows that Otto is a fighter and she and I firmly believe that he fought to stay alive through the worst that the North Koreans could put him through in order to return to the family and community he loves. They found out this week Otto's been in a coma for more than a year. An explosion in China at the gate of a kindergarten, killing at least seven people, wounding dozens. Passers-by try to help as dozens of adults and children lie on the ground, dead or injured. The blast occurring as parents collected their children from the kindergarten in Fengshan, eastern China. There's no word if it was intentional. One eyewitness quoted saying a gas cylinder exploded at a roadside food store. Kindergartens in China have often been targets of deadly attacks, including by people bearing grudges. In 2010, a spate of attacks left almost 20 children dead and prompted schools to beef up security. In the Asia Bureau, Alistair Wanklin, Fox News. Polygamous sect leader Lyle Jeffs back in custody after nearly a year on the run. The FBI announcing today he was captured last night in South Dakota. Jeffs was awaiting trial on fraud charges in a multi-million dollar food stamp scheme when he escaped from home confinement. Nine of the other ten people charged took plea deals while he was a fugitive. Nike cutting more than a thousand jobs, two percent of its workforce, partly to better accommodate online shoppers. Nike CEO Mark Parker tells the Wall Street Journal the company is getting even more aggressive in its digital marketplace. The company will reduce styles by 25% and Nike will work on getting products into stores more quickly. Fox's Ginny Cosola. Wall Street right now stocks are lower. The Dow's down about 30 points. Elisa Brady, Fox News Radio. Welcome back to After Hours AM. Glad you're back. Oh, wait a minute. Well, hey, thanks, everybody. Joel. <laughs> Welcome back to After Hours AM, everybody. I'm your host, Joel Sturgis, right along with me. Eric Olson. And Eric, man, you do a mean hula dance. That's why I heard that around the block. Just saying. I, I heard speaking, that. Speaking of hula, you know what else I'm good at? What is that? We found about a 60, it predates me even, 60-year-old Pogo stick. Oh, no. I'm not kidding. 60-year-old pogo oh. stick in my parents' garage. 
And I, man, I, I was about boinging on that like a screaming mofo. <laughs> I was hopping up and down for an hour, a wow. day, a week. Eric. Wow, man. I, I know a joke will tell you off air about pogo sticks. But hey, uh, we should get to it. We got a great <laughs> guest on we tap. So let's talk about it. Let's introduce him, sir, if you will. All righty then. Well, we are focusing on, though certainly not limited to, a classic book that he, our guest, has written called Paranormal Great Lakes. We're going to talk about other stuff, too, other books, including one he has coming out that sounds wondrous. But Paranormal Great Lakes is a rollicking A to Z listing of extraordinary supernatural, paranormal, and inexplicable phenomena on the American Great Lakes, these five majestic freshwater seas. Lakes Superior, Huron, Erie, Michigan, and Ontario have hosted a treasure trove of fantastic sailors' tales, mysteries, and legends. Here abide the long-standing rumors, myths, and lore about mermaids, ghost ships, lake monsters, UFOs, USOs, vortices, and triangles, flying Dutchmen, windigos, spook lights, haunted lighthouses, headless apparitions, and I'm going to make up a bunch of other names. <laughs> I would, just to fill it so up a little check bit. Check right? that book out. It is great. It actually came out several years ago now, but it is a wondrous encyclopedic type listing it's really fun to just open it up and go to town you can sit on the pot it is great toilet reading wow it is wondrous the author is charles cassidy jr as at a young and foolish age cleveland native charles cassidy jr underwent a ritual apprenticeship a ship as a disciple of dark forces to attain prestige and power but something went wrong. Instead, he found himself a twisted outcast, banished by men, shunned by women, driven from those happy places of joy, love, warmth, and light. Now sustained only by an unquenchable thirst for revenge, Charles Cassidy dwells in shadow realms as a foul, malformed, and tortured wretch. That is my favorite bio of all time. That is a great bio. In other my words, my publisher refused to run that, so I just uh, dumped it on my Amazon uh, Author Central page. And uh, thank God you did. Yeah. In other it words, basically, it basically sums up what the punchline is. Is in other words, I'm a typical failed journalism graduate. <laughs> Absolutely. Tortured, malformed wretch looking for revenge. Uh, ink stained. You didn't say ink stained. Ink stained wretch. Yes. Can't can't even get a job writing uh, fake news to to hurt Trump. It's, oh it's my God. But right, paranormal, no. paranormal writing opened its arms to me. Thank God. Well, it's, allow me to finish because we got to tell him all the cool stuff about you. So he's written for a boatload of publications, local and otherwise. Most importantly, though, check out his books, Paranormal Great Lakes, Great Lakes Folklore, Cleveland Ghosts, Paranormal Mississippi River, and the forthcoming Crescent City Crimes. Welcome to the program, Charles Cassidy Jr. Oh, happy, delighted to be here, and thank you for that wonderful reading again. Yeah, you are Kirk. welcome, welcome, welcome. Best Thanks in the business, he is. Best in the business, he is. I'm reading those. Hey, Charles, you know what's great is I'm sitting here uh, near Duluth, Minnesota, of course, which I'm sure you're, you're aware of because you only wrote about it. In in Great Paranormal Great Lakes, I insist everyone check out Paranormal Great Lakes. Get a copy if you don't own a copy. It's pretty pretty good reading you're not gonna you're not gonna be disappointed at all but uh yeah a lot of lore uh in the great lakes and recently a lot of our listeners knowing that i'm pretty much sitting on the shores of lake superior and a lot of the listeners are in this area as well 
really have a deep interest in the what they call the Great Lakes Triangle. I, I if I had an email for every time someone asked me about the Great Lakes Triangle, I'd probably buy a Big Mac. You know, if I had a nickel for every time. What is up in your estimation? Get this out of the way right away with this darn tootin' Great Lakes Triangle. Uh, I'm not much of a, I don't put much faith in uh, the Bermuda Triangle, let's say. Uh, that was a big commercial venture by some publishers based on some wonderfully scary and wholly inaccurate stories printed in the 60s by Vincent Gaddis and just became a bestseller. But it got people at least thinking about weird things that happen on the water. And uh, whether they're localized or not, one the, the, the great... Uh, Eccentric scientist Ivan Sanderson came up with a wonderful model that, uh, based on the Earth's rotation and 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 gravity and uh, wind <laughs> wind streams, how you could have uh, these vortices, vortex in plural, uh, all dotted certain places around the world where uh, it just sounds like matter antimatter fields can be generated and the UFOs can come in and ships can be teleported away. But the, 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 I'll leave that for another show. The point is the Great Lakes don't correspond to any of his mm. so-called vortices. And several people have located spots on the Great Lakes where they say there's a large amount of paranormal activity. I, I list uh, all the ones I could find, uh, with the exception of the Lake Erie Quadrangle that <laughs> came to my attention after the book came out. Uh, but there's the Marysburg Vortex, the Lake Michigan Triangle. Uh, almost none of these are, are actually triangle-shaped. Yeah. They're just areas where there seem to be high incidences of weirdness. And the Lake Erie Quadrangle, for that matter, pretty much lines up on Long Point, which is on the Canadian shore, that's a notorious snag for old ships. And then this mm. the age of sail that that's like a very, very shallow, treacherous area. So kind of naturally ships would go down and around that in great numbers. And it's a favorite wreck diving site. Yeah, I know over here in Lake Superior now, Lake Superior, um, if I'm not mistaken, is the biggest of all the Great Lakes. My, yes. Growing up, I heard tons of lore, everything from a place called Castle Danger to uh, haunted lighthouses to ghost ships to events that took mass lives. Uh, I know the most famous one recently, of course, is the Edmund Fitzgerald. We talked a little bit off air about that, but I did, full disclosure, I did have a cousin that passed away on the Edmund Fitzgerald and uh, he was uh, he was serving in the maintenance department. That's Thomas Borgeson, and he uh, passed away. Uh, and uh, everyone was lost on Edmund Fitzgerald. There was no um, survivors. Right. And uh, now that one, I have heard a lot of. Once they realized I had a relative on there, a lot of people say, you know, I've heard that there is a ghost ship of that. Tell us about that a little bit quickly, about the Edmund Fitzgerald. Is is there right. sightings of a ghost ship? Someone claimed to uh, Fate Magazine, of all, of all uh, things, like letters to the editor, that they cited the Edmund Fitzgerald on Halloween, around Halloween 1980, coming into the port of Duluth, and that the uh, bridge tenders actually raised the bridge for the ship the individual or the individual's girlfriend rather later so I talked to the bridge tenders about it and they said you know the ship the blew the right signals <laughs> i would think that by 1980 there were also radio communications i would have thought more documentation so. than just that 
but uh, uh, supposedly the Edmund Fitzgerald came home that 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 one Halloween. But that's a one-off story I've only yeah. uh, heard there. Other people talk more about like impressions of the Edmund Fitzgerald. If uh, there was a, a Coast Guard ship that was actually involved in the salvage or the search and rescue, supposedly every time they passed over the the uh, part of uh, Lake Superior where, where, the, where the Fitzgerald lay, the ship's mascot dog just went crazy. Okay. And some of the ship's instruments, too, went, went awry. And there are even stories that UFOs were uh, very active, not so much on Lake Superior, but closer to, like, Chicago and Lake Michigan yeah. that same night. And you could just take, you know, it was a terrible snowstorm. You, you can uh, take that for what it's worth. Well, this, the original story I have... Uh, that was brought to my attention uh, during a book appearance. A gentleman came up to me and said that I know that his mother-in-law pretty much uh, blames herself for the sinking of the Edmund Fitzgerald. And really? What what that, what uh, could she have done uh, so horribly? Did well, she not break the champagne on the first swing or something? Oh, that that supposedly happened, yeah. When the Fitzgerald was uh, being launched, the bottle of champagne failed to break, and that was supposedly Ooh, a, a bad, bad omen yeah. uh, back then. Though she sailed without incident quite up until, you know, the end. So, uh, But uh, I can get back to those superstitions later. They're sure. fascinating all by themselves. Yeah, but this are. woman, the mother-in-law, uh, she supposedly had uh, two relatives on board uh, that 29-man crew, I think cousins, and they permitted her a special tour of the, the decks the day before the, the ship set sail on the November 9th. Uh, 1975 and so she found herself in the position of having been the last person to walk on board the Edmund Fitzgerald and get off and survive and later she heard uh, of course among all the media and the Gordon Lightfoot song keeping the story alive exactly yeah she she heard that it's bad luck to have a woman on your boat and therefore, she blamed herself. According to this gentleman telling me this story, she personally blamed herself for causing the curse that destroyed this this mighty and beloved ore freighter. And uh, when I put that story in my Great Lakes folklore, I added in the event that she ever would read it that she really shouldn't feel that bad. The the, the very first captain of the Edmund Fitzgerald frequently bought, brought his wife and daughters on, on ships, on, on uh, voyages with him, and nothing ever happened uh, that, that was out of the ordinary. So she's probably not guilty of that curse. Yeah. But... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I agree with you. I don't, I don't think that she had anything to do with it. I, I think it was bad weather. Uh, a lot of things went wrong with Edmund Fitzgerald that caused it to sink. Fellas, oh, yeah, it's there's... been good to know you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's been great. It's been wonderful to know you. Yeah, as the song says or implies, uh, setting sail on the Great Lakes in November, you're uh, really uh, taking a risk, you know, no matter what the uh, modern age or in the or great old age of sail or the, the early steamships. That's really when the tragedies piled up. Some with uh, ghost stories and curses arriving out of them, some not. Well, what's the most common reported on all the Great Lakes ghost ship that people, you know, see primarily? 
if someone good question because uh, supposedly because a, a writer a very serious historical writer named Dwight Boyer put this down in print he said the most famous uh, Great Lakes ghost ship was called the Bannockburn I believe uh, she vanished on Lake Superior in like 1901 but uh, he just seemed to feel that that's the classic ghost ship. The, uh, yeah. the during a snowstorm, the a captain of another ship looked away from her for one instant, looked back, she was gone, never seen again. And uh, there's just the legend that you know the Bannockburn is still seen to this very day, but you can't really find a police report about it. Now, on the other hand, there's this uh, marvelous, uh, oh, sad, but uh, but a lot of legend attached to it. The the Rouse Simmons the Christmas tree ship of Chicago that uh, sank, I think around 1917 and again, making a a dangerous uh, late November run to deliver Christmas trees uh, to, to the people of the the Michigan coast, essentially, and and Illinois. And uh, the, the, she obviously went down in a, in a storm. Supposedly the uh, Christmas trees were washing ashore and, in great numbers, it was a terrible reminder of all the, the hands died with, with her. That ship has supposedly been sighted on multiple occasions uh, by more than one witness. So I think you could put maybe three uh, confirmed sightings, and one person claimed to have seen the ship uh, time and time again. She was a retired school teacher, and the author writing her testimony said, well, you know, she seems sincere. So I give the award of the most cited ghost ship out there to the Rouse Simmons, just the one you could put a name to. Well, but there's know. lots of lots and lots of folklore on the lakes about uh, uh, things like a phantom rum runner who blew up during Prohibition, who supposedly, uh, yeah, when the engines overheated or, or the alcohol exploded while trying to get away from the Coast Guard. And supposedly you see this phantom rum, rum runner still uh, around the the Lake Erie Islands, trying to speed between here and, and Canada, and uh, the the ghost ship, the ghost motorboat speeds past you. Just raise your glass and toast, because you know they they died in the in the call of duty. I don't. Again, I've n- I never met anyone personally or seen a, a conf- confirmation in a police report, but uh, you, you've got to love stories like that. There is an inshore ghost connected with the Great Lakes. Uh, seaweed Charlie, they call him in really? Chicago, and that's you could do a whole story uh, show about Chicago Great Lakes tie-in ghost stories. But without trying to put an origin to him, because there are several, Seaweed Charlie supposedly got up out of the the lake in the direction of uh, roughly in, in Northwestern University and staggers across a highway to try to get into a cemetery because he you know was was died in the lake and wants to get in and according to a few storytellers hundreds and hundreds of people throughout the the 50s and 60s would actually see seaweed charlie uh staggering across the road and just assumed it was a vagrant or maybe a jogger uh earning seaweed charlie the distinction of being the single most seen ghost in all all of human history possibly by uh, during rush hour obscene and not heard <laughs> hey charles i wanted to ask you uh, bring talking about all these ghost ships uh, i wanted to mention one of the things that's really great about the book is you make these events real in terms yeah. of the physicality of it and so uh, it, it 
it doesn't really you don't think about it that much, especially if you're not a you know particularly nautical person yourself. I do actually come from a seafaring family, but I myself am, have never uh, gone that way of life. But it, you know, it reminds you that there really are very very important physical climate weather events going on and and you were saying even to this day with modern technology and modern shipping and modern engines and the like things still do happen though not with the frequency of in the past but when you see these terrible storms i, I remember reading in one of your uh, sections uh, one of the headings that uh, there was a storm where like 40 different ships went down i mean think about it it's wow. astonishing and uh, I, I, it's really interesting how you tie that in and, and again, make it real for me uh, as a reader that they are taking chances with those early winter, late mm -hmm. fall, those November runs. And But oftentimes it was really critical. They were things that people needed. And we forget we really do get things from ships Things cross the ocean in ships, and sometimes ships sink. So I wanted to commend you for that and uh, just ask for your thoughts on it about the actual, you know, the reality of it. And I imagine you were reminded of it, too, doing all this research. Uh, yes, indeed. In fact, uh, uh, when I got to my later book, Great Lakes Folklore, uh, when I could bring in a lot of uh, ship disaster stories that did not necessarily generate ghost uh, tales, uh, it seems like about 40% of them do, but... Um, I did like a top 10 countdown of the absolute worst losses of life, next to which, and just if you look at the numbers, Edmund Fitzgerald, 29 men died. They ring the bell 29 times every year for them. But there are catastrophes on the Great Lakes in the past that just dwarf that statistic. Possibly 834 people uh, drowned in the Chicago River because of the Eastland capsizing. And that wow. was in decent weather. That's that's uh, that's just staggering that uh, that happened. I think. How did it capsize, though? I mean, you know, did something happen to cause that, or did it just go over? Uh, that should have been a, a people called the Eastland, America's forgotten tragedy. It was really on on the scale of the Titanic and the Sultana, just one of the worst uh, maritime disasters ever. And what it was was a overcrowded pleasure boat taking off in, in uh, trying to, to get started in July for a company picnic in the Indiana sand dunes. And whether you believe that it was a poorly constructed ship, which all seem, evidence seems to point to, mm -hmm. or, or all the passengers ran to one side to get their picture taken by a photographer they saw on the shore, which is a, like a cover story that was floated for many years, the ship just half turned over. And it was so packed with far in excess of... Uh, uh, of uh, what the number of people it was supposed to carry that people just were held underneath and drowned in a very uh, in the middle of Chicago uh, you know potential life-saving personnel all around uh, just couldn't do anything oh. and they think that maybe 830 834 people died could have been higher my gosh that's a huge body toll or death toll wow the the morgues of Chicago were unable to handle those that those amount of dead uh, a lot of them were put into baskets and stored into what later became Oprah Winfrey Studios Harpo Studios really which <laughs> which later uh, developed a reputation, even quite serious historians admit this, very haunted. Oprah couldn't keep some uh, some people around there at night because of that. 
I would imagine you have all these unsettled souls that passed away in a shipwreck. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's a breeding ground for ghostly activity. But you think Oprah could have taken her talk show into the Art so. Bell direction? Then you, you would have thought she, so. With you know, tonight if tonight our guest is another one of the casualties. But yeah, yeah, we are <laughs> channeling tonight. Another, the endless line of casualties. Yes, tonight yeah, we're channeling but, a victim. But I, I think her her personal beliefs would not allow her to exploit some poor wretched ghost like that. Yeah, remember she got scared by an uh, interview with a vampire terribly. Y- yeah, that that is very true. We're just talking about that top of the last hour interview with the vampire but uh, yeah exactly now uh charles in your estimation which one of these lakes and there's and they're all majestic and huge and violent in their own way which one is the most deadly of all these lakes another good question because uh statistically lake michigan has the worst death toll but really because of the Eastland uh, capsizing, which, by the way, is given as one of the origins of Seaweed Charlie, but not the only one. Uh, there's the Eastland disaster and also a uh, case in 1860 when two ships collided, the Augusta and the Lady Elgin, on Lake Michigan. And uh, that, uh, uh, that uh, created like 300 possible de- uh, casualties. Uh, especially on the Lady Elgin, it was another pleasure boat uh, that uh, happened to be rammed by a working uh, schooner just carrying like a cargo of wood or something like that. The the Augusta rammed right into it, uh, created like a Titanic type uh, wound in the ship below the waterline that she was just doomed. Yeah. Uh, the Augusta uh, survived uh, quite intact, but the Lady Elgin went right to the bottom and uh quite a, a number of people were killed uh, especially though the word went that instantly created a thousand orphans in the milwaukee wow. and chicago area did because a lot of the families on board were of uh, parents of uh, irish descent and they had huge families and suddenly both parents are gone so the combination of one two punch of the Augusta and Lady Elgin statistics and the Eastland, mm-hmm. uh, plus a, a few others, make Lake Michigan the the worst for body counts. But you mentioned Lake Superior. Lake Superior has phenomenon on it that only you'll otherwise find on the oceans mm-hmm. in terms of dangerous waves, yeah. uh, uh, just uh, like really nautical sailing conditions that are, are, uh, are quite hazardous and just a science unto themselves. Yeah, um, really, the Great Lakes are inland oceans. Is what they really are. You, you know, they they ha- they create like our weather here, where I am, is wholeheartedly predicted and manufactured a lot of times by Lake Superior. It makes its own weather systems. Yes, and, and so yeah, and, you know we we're we're victims to that sometimes. Right, and and each lake has a different character, a different profile. Lake Erie is the shallowest by far, which you might think would mean it's the safest. Yeah. But uh, in fact, that leads to, so our meteorologists tell us, uh, a, cha- a really volatile surface or sudden sure. squalls can, uh, uh, can brew up and strike and then water spouts. And uh, so that's... That's the one thing. Lake Superior, because of its depth, uh, you, you grew up hearing about the this, this three sisters, uh, yeah. said to be possibly the, the villains in the, the end of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Just a late, uh, wave phenomenon where just three major 
monster waves hit a ship uh, one after another. The third one, the last one being the biggest, and uh, the first two swamp the ship. The third one, that's the one that, that sends was a the death ship blow. down. Yeah. And that's supposedly a, a unique uh, phenomenon to Lake Superior yeah. that I'm not sure has ever been quite scientifically proven. You know, not that you... I'm aware of. I, I know I've done extensive research on, on Lake Superior just because it's always interested me, much like you. And and I also have my own UFO story on Lake Superior later on, I'll tell you. Oh, but, uh, share, um, yeah, share that, please. That's, you, you that's know, so we, I've actually spent a lot of time in that water because I fish lake trout. And so uh, I have downriggers and do this and do that. So I've been in that deep water, and it is really kind of eerie. I like to keep. I like to see shore. I don't like to get too far out. I like to be still see shore. We got to run a break, everyone. When we come back, oh, we're going to talk more with oh, with Charlie Cassidy. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We're going to talk, you know, haunted lighthouses, UFOs, all that fun stuff to come. So you're going to want to hear that. <laughs> after hours a.m. and if you're listening to us via podcast make sure you like us follow us review us tell your friends about us tell grandma about us and keep listening hi tom bodette if pop culture is to be believed roughly 40 percent of all people are actually vampires or dating one well undead or not you can always save on a clean comfortable room at motel six even if you sleep during the day because direct sunlight turns you into a pile of sparkly coffee grounds speaking of which we have free coffee every morning you day sleepers may want to go for the decaf i'm tom bodette and we'll leave the light on for you book online at motel6.com anivar media lcc is a dedicated team of professionals committed to helping business development scale and protect their websites mobile applications enterprise software solutions in the northeast ohio area locally owned since 2012 our client-centered values truly sets Anavar apart. Contact us today to learn how you can get 25% off your first project. Call them at 234-380-4852. Again, that's 234-380-4852. Or visit them at www.anavar.com. Again, that's www.anavar.com. This is Jen McGowan, founder of Wayward Souls Promotions, a company dedicated to helping individuals, teams, radio shows, and others that are seeking exposure for their individual events, conventions, and shows. We offer a wide variety of advertising, such as web-based article, social media posts, podcast advertisement, and so on. Contact us at paranormalpromotion at gmail.com, visit us on Facebook at Wayward Souls Promotions, and visit our website at www.waywardsoulspromotions.com. You're listening to After Hours AM. Do you have a question for the guests or even the host? That's really easy. Go ahead and email those questions to afterhoursam at gmail.com. Are you feeling like picking up the phone and being part of the show? Call us at 612-326-6874. 612-326-6874. Come be part of the madness. Rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. Yes, you will, precious. You will get the hose. 
And welcome back to After Hours AM, everybody. I'm your host, Joel Sturgis, right along with me. Eric Olson. And we are talking to Charles Cassidy tonight, and he wrote one of the greatest Great Lakes books I have ever read. Paranormal Great Lakes. And we're leaving. We're talking about getting into UFOs. And Charlie, Charles, Charlie, Charles. Let's go, Charles. See, and now ever since we talked about that swamp, that, that Charlie guy, I won't call you Charlie. So we're, I'll get away from that. Charles, tell us the tale on Lake Superior of the UFO. Uh, well, there are quite a number of uh, UFO stories and underwater USO stories uh, yeah. you uh, hear about the Great Lakes. But the one that uh, stuck out in my mind and sort of uh, gained traction in recent years was is known in the business as the Kinross incident. Uh, this was in November. Uh, again, even though it's an aerial thing, it's in that deadly uh, month of November. November 23rd, 1953, there was an uh, American uh, fighter jet, a Scorpion interceptor, where those of you who know your fighter jets, was being uh, scrambled on the upper peninsula of Michigan to investigate a radar contact of unknown origin, you know, a classic UFO bogey. Uh, sure. Whatever. And supposedly on the radar screen, the much told part of the story went uh, the people on the ground could see the uh, radar blip from the interceptor coming to reach the radar blip of the UFO. And they seemed to merge, uh, giving the impression that the uh, bogey blip had actually like swallowed the plane and then both vanished completely. And that story has, has been uh, uh, knocking around in the background of uh, the UFO uh, subculture for quite some time. But what came up in recent years, uh, some mysterious uh, group claiming to be a, a Great Lakes uh, salvage operation said that with uh, using a new form of uh, sonar sideband radar, they'd scanned the bottom of Lake Superior, where uh, roughly this incident happened, and found uh, in separate areas a uh, unmistakable uh, downed interceptor plane, and next to it a disc-shaped object with a big dent in it. And they did. And, did they pull it and, out? Uh, I mean, I don't ever remember them pulling these things out of Lake Superior. No, they wanted to evidently raise money for, if not salvage operations, and Lake Superior being the deepest lake that's very, very hard. That's like the, the yeah. abyss down there. Uh, or at least making a documentary about this thing. Gotcha. And uh, once you, uh, my litmus test for a lot of paranormal phenomena is once people start asking for money, then, then uh, you know, the antenna goes slightly up and someone did some homework and found that, this uh, Great Lakes uh, diving operation, whatever sure. name they were incorporated under, they didn't seem to have much of a, of a business record. Uh, their, their website presence was traced to some uh, guy far, far from the Great Lakes. And the sideband sonar images supposedly uh, floated as depicting these two objects kind of look like uh, very heavily retouched and crude digital pictures. Uh, even... UFO believers kind of couldn't believe that the interceptor aircraft was so obviously intact, even if it had a, a midair collision with something that yeah. brought it down to the bottom of the lake. You know, you would think quite a bit of a, a debris field or wreckage. And uh, shortly, and uh, so after people started raising questions, uh, basically the, the people making these the claims of having found these objects, they, they just disappeared, went off the radar, 
Uh, you'll I'm, occasionally hear on George Norrie, especially, someone will bring this up and say, talk about maybe a cover-up or something like that. But it also sounds like it could have been an early internet media hoax just as much. Yeah. The actual 1953 incident, Ken Ross incident with the radar contacts, yes, that's a that's verifiable. That happened, not fake news. There's just the official Air Force explanation that it was a Canadian airliner that they detected as the bogey at a straight off course and that the interceptor plane, that was just a poor poorly manufactured plane and they tended to drop out of the skies in great numbers. Oh geez, that's and, a great feeling. Uh, so it was it was just an unfortunate confluence of events that looked like a UFO on radar had swallowed one of our planes. Well, you know, uh, years ago, though, I, I got an email from a Preston Miller that claimed to be the owner and operator of Great Lakes Dive Company, which oh. was the company that created the hoax. Okay. I did interview this Preston Miller, pressed him, pressed Preston on the fact that if there is something there, you should alert the Coast Guard, let them deal with it. Why are they not dealing with it? Because it involves a United States, a piece of United States military hardware that is, yes. is up to them to do salvage operations. You cannot go dig up a modern aircraft that was once owned or owned at that moment by the Air Force. Um, can't do it. It's illegal. Once that was brought up, he disappeared. He went off the radar, like what he did with everybody else. They had a website that initially presented two images claiming that you ought to be the discovery, and they're real grainy. Um, I could never get a straight answer out of Preston Miller. I'm assuming that's his real name. I'm sure it isn't, because uh, it was a very, very strange situation. Uh, living here uh, by the Great Lakes, by Superior, he wanted me to be kind of get more involved in it and kind of, you know, hey, let's get this thing drug up, you know, bring it up. And when I did contact the Duluth Air National Guard about it, uh, they, they gave me the standard. Well, we really can't talk about it because that's classified information. You know, a lot of things they gave me, a lot of static. But they did say he's full of bunk. That is uh. this is not this is not real. You know, this this is did not uh, the incident like you had said did happen, but them finding it in Lake Superior did not. OK, and, and yet uh, I suspect the, the legends may uh, kick around for some time. And I can yeah. just set, well, down, the reason set why down I, our findings in print and hope that in, in the end, everyone gets all sides of it. Yeah, I it's asked. Funny, I, the, the, the commanding officer of the Air National Guard in Duluth, why he was so adamant that they would not find a plane. He said because the, the rate of speed of the crash would have, which would have shattered that aircraft. It would have been like a hitting a cement wall when it hit the water. Oh, so yes. you would be finding little bits of debris, but you would never find an intact fuselage like they were claiming they found. Right, exactly. And that's kind of, uh, you brought up earlier, the whole uh, allegation of triangles, uh, Great Lakes triangles, yeah. especially as regards aircraft that just mis tend to mysteriously vanish over the Great Lakes. Well, if they hit the water, at, uh, if something went wrong in the flight and they hit the water at a, a speed as you described, yes, they would literally vanish. Uh, yeah. Not UFOs, just unfortunately yeah. physics. They disintegrate. 
the particles almost too small to be a recognizable debris field. Yeah, he he the uh, commander gave me a great you know discussion. We talked for quite a bit. He was just telling me, you know, when you hit the water, it's like hitting cement at that speed. You know, you know, so mm-hmm. it's going to react just like it's it's hitting a, a mountain essentially. You know, because the water is not going to give right away. There's that tensile strength that it has to yes. get through. And that would disintegrate that plane. And especially that plane was kind of a flimsy aircraft. It was not built the greatest. And yeah, so, yes. you, you know, there's a lot of things that we talked about. Yeah, but very cool. And yeah, that still today, though, I get that same people ask me about it. Like much like George Norrie, they'll bring it up. Well, what do you think about that? And I said, it was a hoax, folks. Um, it was a hoax. It, it uh, in my estimation, it's a great story. And yes, there are reports of this incident happening. But do I believe that these people found the wreckage? Absolutely not. If that were true, it's like the government told me. If that were true, they would be all over it like a bloodhound. Mm-hmm. And so, and other uh, uh, Lake Erie Great Lakes wreck diver, a Mike Fletcher, uh, inferred to me that. When it comes to wreck diving, even not necessarily in the paranormal realm, there's just lots of obsessed folks and bizarre claims made. Uh, I needed his input for, and this is true, not paranormal, but practically out of uh, something out of the wild, wild west. There was a gentleman building and testing submarines, uh, salvaged uh, machines and warships on the Great Lakes before the Civil War. This, even really? before Captain Nemo and 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. That, got, I did uh, not got know him. that. That's a new one on me. That story is uh, told in full, as full as I could tell it, in uh, uh, Great Lakes folklore. Laudner Phillips was his name. He, We don't know how many ships he actually built and tested. He impressed a few people with the U.S. Navy, not enough of them at the time. Uh, but it is known that uh, one of his submarines was uh, used in a salvage attempt uh, on Lake Erie at a hundred foot depth on the Canadian side, probably the deepest Lake Erie ever gets. It was lost during the attempt. It flooded. Uh, Laudner, fortunately, and his crewmen escaped. But uh, the, the the wooden submarine went straight to the bottom. And uh, as far as anyone can tell, it's probably still there, just buried under tons of silt, according to my informant, Mr. Fletcher. Uh, and considering that it's almost entirely made out of wood, probably well, though well-preserved, virtually impossible to detect with uh, yeah. uh, instruments that are used often by wreck divers to sound out, you know, hulls and brass. Yeah, yeah. So very tantalizing, amazing story I have in there. They, they seem to have pulled a few other, uh, or at least one other Laudner Phillips submarine out of the Chicago River in, in 1915, and the the pictures you see online about it are are just incredible. Looks like a spaceship being recovered out of <laughs> uh, out of the Chicago River. But my my point is that Mike Fletcher spoke to me for about two hours on the phone to con- before he was convinced that I was quote not a nut, and he could <laughs> tell me you know uh, what he'd uh, thought about the the lost submarine sure. in Lake Erie and and expect that it would show up in print in a reasonable uh, uh, tone and attitude. And since I sent my book to him, I did not uh, get any feedback from him, so maybe, in fact, I am a nut. <laughs> well, either that or no news is good news. Yes. Yeah, you know, that, that could be that, too. Now, USOs, 
Now, they are frequently um, cited of being in the Great Lakes. That is something that's new on me. I, I've heard some talkings, but which lake, how many have been seen, and which lakes does it seem that the USOs like to come out of? Uh, the, the gentleman I mentioned before named Ivan T. Sanderson, he sort of coined the term uh, USOs or un, unidentified swimming object or unidentified submarine object. Sure. And uh, he made a statement in, in his uh, book, on classic book on the phenomenon called Invisible Residence, that Lake Erie was Grand Central Station for these things. But he just made that statement. He didn't back it up with any reports. Yeah, just and, threw it uh, out there and left there, it there. So there's a gentleman named Carl Feint who has continued as a had a great website enumerating underwater UFO encounters or, or UFOs appearing to rise out of the water on a worldwide basis. And uh, his opinion was that uh, the Great Lakes uh, don't have any more or any less of that going on. Uh, it's just uh, they for whatever the. To the USOs, it's just uh, another uh, body of water to go through yeah. wherever yeah. They, they're seeking to go. And someone did tell me a very fun story that I just could not substantiate enough to include in my books. But he said it was a, a joke around the, the flight school he attended that uh, some aircraft went down in Lake Erie once and is still seen as a ghost plane, but under the water. Th- that just, would be a sight to behold. That would, and I wish I had found uh, others, anything else in the literature, anything outside of, you know, this guy's flight school class sure. that main, maintained that rumor. I'd like to uh, pull from if I don't have a really solid, and he, he said he didn't see this himself, of course. It was just the, the talk around the classroom. And yeah. I don't, I don't want to uh, muddy the waters worse than they already are with, with paranormal claims. I, I, I did not include that story just because I couldn't back it up with any uh, supporting traditions. Maybe someone will come up with something. You, you and, just never you know. know. One of our listeners yeah. might pipe up and go, hey, wait a minute. My grandpa told me all about that or, or right. something, you know, where they got more info. Now, it wouldn't be a Great Lake show without talking a little bit about lighthouses because they play such an important role in, in on the Great Lakes for navigation and safety, all sorts of things. There's a few haunted ones out there, isn't there? There's a few haunted yes, ones. Uh, in fact, a uh, uh, passage in my book that I had to make this statement because uh, I'm not the only one. I, I love uh, haunted lighthouse stories, and some of them do seem to have uh, uh, some compelling substance behind them. Yet at the same time, there's this little asterisk that it's stated that if you've got a lighthouse and your historical society, you better have a ghost. And you really want to see you want to see the donations uh, uh, keep coming in from the public and the tourists. You might want to play up the ghost stories as much as possible. And if there are no ghost stories, try to get one. Invent one. Yes, in fact, our Split Rock lighthouse here near me is allegedly haunted. So you're right. right. <laughs> they got it. It may well be uh, light. A lot of uh, uh, solitude. Uh, not no shortage of tragedies associated with uh, with some lighthouses. So uh, there may well be uh, the paranormal phenomenon involved. But there's also the donation box right outside. And and if the guides love telling the stories and they open it up on on Halloween with that theme night, well, you know, there's a uh, well, one could. Uh, impute a motive to that of course pure-hearted and maintaining the historical lighthouse but you never know 
Hey, Charles, um, one of the great things about the book is that you really cover that broad, broad range of paranormal activity. I wanted to get real quick because it's hard to believe we only have 10 minutes left on the show. I'd love to hear your favorite ghost story, your favorite cryptid story. You've already given us a great UFO story, but just love to hear your favorites in kind of the various categories and then maybe like a monster too, whatever you could get to in that short period of time. Love to hear the tales. Okay, favorite monster story. Well, uh, we've got the Lake Erie monster here, probably the most uh, famous of the great many Great Lakes monsters that have been named, probably because there's a hockey team now that uh, capitalize on the image. Okay, I spoke to an eyewitness. Uh, a young man, uh, now a musician, I do believe, uh, but uh, he and his family and relatives were uh, just... Uh, at a Ohio beach, a well-known one, Huntington Beach, at sunset in the early 90s, and they saw like uh, 20 to 50 feet of a ridged Godzilla-like back coming out of the water and standing there. He said it looked at first like a standing wave, but then it just didn't go away, and it had had, uh, ridged serrations on it, then finally subsided. And the creepy thing was it was in the waters within the the roped-off area where people could swim, if they chose. Oh, man. Just happened to, it just happened to be around <laughs> 7 at night, so hopefully there weren't many uh, bathers in at that time. So my informant said he saw this. The other people saw this. No one seemed to get a picture, unfortunately. But They never uh, do. They it was never. in the early 90s. We didn't have cameras in our phones yet. He looked through all kinds of books on wildlife and came to the decision that it was a sturgeon fish. But a monster sturgeon fish, I mean, those in the Great Lakes, I think the longest ever measured was 12 feet, uh, where you could get a hold of a, where you could find a 50-foot sturgeon fish swimming around in in Lake Erie. That's good enough of a cryptid for me. And uh, so they're big, though. I have caught six-foot sturgeons before, and it is a fight. Yes, and they look ancient. They, they are do. ancient. Uh, they, that would, you know, be be a creepy enough apparition for me if I saw a fifty footer. <laughs> that can be conceivable. Yeah, I, I remember um, seeing photos of when I was a boy of sturgeon, especially from Lake Erie, as big as the boats they were fishing on. You know, okay. You know, I mean, just just pictures of these monsters of the deep, and I don't know if it was early photoshop or what it was but man it scared the hell out of me enough to not want to go to lake erie <laughs> okay <laughs> all right yeah works worse for me though same for him he didn't his family didn't want to go in the water much after that either and uh ghost stories oh don't know how to uh how to choose but you talked about lighthouses there's a lighthouse on uh, lake michigan's upper peninsula Ontonagon that I really like the imagery associated with it. It had a lightkeeper named Thomas uh, Stripe, uh, who just sounds like a very larger-than-life character. He uh, was missing an arm, uh, blown off in an Independence Day fireworks celebration, but he supposedly still could outfight and outdrink anyone in town. And once during a severe uh, town epidemic, he single-handedly saved the town. He did like a Balto-type thing by bringing uh, supplies in in the winter, all with just one arm. They say the Ontonagon Lighthouse is still haunted by Mr. Stripe, and you can hear him uh, moving, walking up the winding spiral staircase, cart-toting the old uh, oil 
uh, drum to light the lantern. And you know it's Thomas Stripe because like every third step or something like that, he stops and puts the oil can down with a clang because, you know, he's only got one arm. So <laughs> that tires him out, even dead. I feel like I've been doing this, this work forever. One yeah, one-armed man. It was the me as the one-armed man. And I like the story, too, another Lake Michigan story about uh, Mini Quay. If you just go online, you can even Google uh, the Quay House and Mini Quay, Q-U-A-Y. Uh, you can see, like, she's got a grave that uh, uh, lovelorn teenagers visit and leave uh, trinkets to. She supposedly was in love with a sailor. Family disapproved of it. So Minnie Quay drowned herself uh, in, in Lake Michigan off the pier. And allegedly, so her house is haunted. And even to this day, it's said that her ghost appears in the water, beckoning other young lovers to uh, follow her into the briny deep. And wow. the creepy thing is that there is a grave for Minnie Quay. And it does appear that she died when she was a teenager. And there may be a grain of truth to that part of the story. Uh, whether she indeed entices uh, people to uh, commit suicide me. in the lake, I uh, cannot say. But there's 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 stories told. Yeah, and that's just such a romantic thing. And to behold uh, her actual gravesite uh, with uh, offerings left, uh, just uh, something awfully sweet and haunting about that. Have you ever seen anything strange for yourself in the Great Lakes? No, I, I'm I'm a very boring person, really. Yeah. No. That's it's, why I had to really. Well, uh, that's okay that though. Biography, that's, that, that's disciple okay. of dark forces, but the, even the dark forces didn't want to have much to do with me. I, 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 uh, I actually, yours truly here saw a UFO in Lake Superior. Oh, and, please and tell me that'll was, be in my next book. It was the weirdest sighting. We were at a place called Ficker's Brewhouse, and it's a micro tap. You know, they have craft beers you know and so we went down to the lake walk it's called and that's the area where everyone walks along the lake and da 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 and we we were standing there and we watched this object that was really really weird lit it, it was like a pale pink and it turned into this just different colors and it came flying in super fast like really like I thought maybe it was one of the Air National Guard's planes, and it, they just, you know, had weird lights, I guess. I don't know. I wasn't up on my marker lights at that point. It came in, and it dead stopped because it just dead stopped out of nowhere, just full 100% stop going from probably four or 500 miles an hour to nothing. It stopped for about, I'd say, two or three seconds and did a full just whoop, right to the, the sky, gone. Just woo gone. It was a really weird moment because it was also very eerily quiet on the lake when that thing appeared. And I remember my buddy telling me, he says, I wonder if it thinks, knows it, we see it. And it was almost like it stopped as soon as he said that. Like, yeah, we, we know and we don't care. That's and been, it took off. That, that has been noticed. And some, so there was more than one witness. That's interesting. Yeah. Too. yeah we, a, we thought it was one too many beers, but then other people said, did you see a thing over the lake last night by the lift bridge? Yeah, that was, wow, that that's, was really And weird. how late at night was this? This was probably about, mm, about 11 o'clock at night or so. I mean, you know, and okay, it, so, it was so thorough darkness. Yeah, it was pretty dark out. And uh, really we saw it and it was, there was no ships coming in. It was pretty quiet night. Everything was pretty much shut down. Uh, there was no air traffic at that point. 
And it just, you know, one of those quiet, still nights, summer nights, and this was about June-ish, July-ish, late June, early July. This this thing comes in about Mach 4. Uh, Charles, I'm telling you, man, I've never seen anything move that fast that wasn't a jet. But then to stop out of nowhere, wow. just just stop, yeah. dead stop, and and hover, and nobody launching their little their Chinese uh, kung no, fu movie. No, no, that was the first thing uh, I thought graduation. too. That Something was the like that. first thing I thought too. So I got a hold of a friend of mine that happened to work at the Air National Guard, and I said, "Hey, was there anything weird in the skies last night?" And of course, he says, "Well, you know, nothing I can talk about." So there wasn't any Chinese Uh-oh. lanterns going up or any. Nope, nothing. It was, it was a quiet airspace night, as he put it. Uh, yeah. Kind of a wink and a nod, though, at the end. Like, uh-huh, yeah. But, yeah, I investigated. There was nothing going on. There was nothing in the airspace. That was the only thing there. And we must have watched it for about 30, 40 seconds, and then took off. But, man... Charles, I could sit here and talk to you all night about these stories because, man, there's so many of them. But we're at the end of the show. And we, you got to tell them how they, they can get a hold of you, how they can get all the great books you've written, all that kind of good my, stuff. My publisher, uh, Schiffer Books. Uh, it's uh, you know, Schiffer Publishing, but www.schifferbooks.com. And, of course, I'm uh, carried on Amazon and uh, all of all other barnesandnoble.com, all your other fine websites. And I don't take offense if you want to order them through your library system first, uh, interlibrary loan if necessary, just to uh, test the waters, as it were. But I think you'll enjoy them. I do, too. Charles Cassidy, everybody, pick up the books. They're really, really good. I'm thoroughly enjoying Paranormal Great Lakes right now, and I will finish this tomorrow because I just got to keep going. But until then, everyone take care of each other, love each other, and look to the skies and look in the waters. You just might see a ghost ship. Thank you for listening to this edition of After Hours AM. And please remember to like us on Facebook and also follow us over on Twitter. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.